you've reached your destination. Welcome to Harmonic Headspace. Music for your psyche. Let's do this! Hello, 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 everybody. How you doing? Welcome to Harmonic Headspace. This is the icing to the cake. That is your weekend. And uh, we are back in the... Wave Radio Boston Studios, presented by the West Dover Inn in 1846 Tavern. Uh, and we have our superhero back, Astro. Welcome back, brother. Thanks, man. It's good to be back. Um, hoping this is like riding a bike, but feeling a little creaky right now. <laughs> but uh, happy to be back. Yeah, so uh, this week, uh, well, actually, we'll, we'll talk about last week a little bit. Uh, we had Lou Freight in. Uh, a national recording artist uh, who just put out uh, an album that he recorded in Nashville. Uh, we had a great time with Lou. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with him uh, over the years, and uh, I was really happy to see him put out that album uh, and the video, he, uh, the um, documentary that he did on recording in Nashville, which is just so cool to watch. Sounds like I missed a good show. I haven't even heard any of it yet. I was I was in Cape Cod for the weekend. Nice. Uh, just shut everything down. Yeah. Uh, unplug. You got to unplug. I have to unplug or it's not yeah. really a vacation. Yeah. When you get a chance, uh, listen to the show. I will. And uh, watch his documentary. It's really cool. It, he walks through his whole recording experience of being a, a songwriter and a musician without a band, going to Nashville, finding a professional producer, and allowing him to... Um, produced a record with professional musicians. Mm -hmm. So um, his producer got, um, I mean, he obviously knows everybody in Nashville, right? So he picked the right bass player, the right guitar player, drummer. Um, I think there was saxophone too. There was all kinds of, of uh, musicians. And um, the experience, just watching how it all unfolds, whether you're, a, if you're a musician, you're going to be blown away. If you're not, you're going to be really interested because you see how, the art gets created, mm -hmm. right? From the mind of a dude to to a producer to the professional players to the finished product, which is really good. And, and you can even... He's not a country guy, but there's like a country flavor to, to his well, album. you're going to get that when you, yeah. when you record in Nashville. Totally. That's that, I mean, that's that's the bonus of it. I yeah. mean, that's... Yeah, and he's actually... Uh, he's going back. So, uh, and I may, uh, I may tag along with him. Why not, right? Go out there, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a great show. Um, definitely listen to it and, and watch his video. Nice. Uh, but why don't you tell us about the show that you put together for us, Astro? Yeah, so we, uh, you know, we have an idea. We actually have a, a piece of paper in the drawer where we keep jotting down <laughs> show ideas as they come up. And we, we threw a couple down tonight. Um, but uh, the one that we uh, were going with today is Swan Songs. So, uh, you know, uh, the f a final statement from an artist or a band. Um, and it's it's not as straightforward as you would think because there's instances where key members of the band leave or die, um, but the band carries on and it's not necessarily the same. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can't just pick a song from the last album that had the lineup that you like. Mm -hmm. So there are a few artists, a few bands that they're not going to be in the show tonight because – they just they carried on yeah, and they're still playing they're still playing obviously it's generally not as good as the the previous incarnations or or the, they you know they're playing still mm -hmm. but you know they're that's so that's one another one is like uh 
an artist more less of a band but more of like an individual artist like uh prince or neil young you know that plays with different incarnations but they're always a lead guy mm-hmm. um and you could argue and i know neil a lot better than prince um his backup bands play a lot different music mm-hmm. you know a, a lot of different styles of music that yeah. he writes yeah i'm a huge crazy horse fan but as am i and i love yeah. all his stuff yeah. but but it's a different like it's a different situation and obviously neil's still alive and making music mm-hmm. um but you know as much as i hate to say is if neil died yesterday i don't know that i would pick a song from his most recent album because it's just you know i like it because i'm a neil young fan but it's not the same as like uh Jimi hendrix dying yeah. after electric ladyland yeah it's I, a different situation yeah it was it was easier to find songs from bands or people who have untimely passed away right or bands that broke up and never like the beatles never came back together then it it was easier to find them than it was to find bands who who just stopped playing because usually they fade away and when they fade away that last album is not as good as or or the the three preceding or or they bounce back like decades later yeah um and we have an interesting uh, scenario the Soundgarden, where Mm -hmm. they broke up for a while and they came back and it was like oh shit we're gonna have to pick a song from this crappy you know, most recent album, but they actually pulled off a great album in 2012. So, uh, King animal, we were able to pull something off of that. That's I think a really great, compelling song, but, uh, yeah, it's different than like joy division where they had two albums mm-hmm. and that was it. Right. Um, now they turned into new order, but completely different bands. I'm not worried about that one so much. <laughs> yeah. 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 And another thing is, uh, as we were like discussing these different iterations of what qualifies as a swan song, we realized that there was one song, there was one uh, show that we had not put down that we must, and it's Untimely Deaths. Untimely Deaths. Right, because right. like I would have played Alice in Chains, but obviously Alice in Chains is still playing. Right. You know, um, but, you know, it's completely different. I mean, Lane Staley, to me, was really Alice in Chains, him and Jerry Cantrell together. So now now this is like... Con- uh, um, birth a new idea and we're going to do untimely death exactly and i already have a few in my head that wouldn't necessarily qualify for what we're doing here tonight but we're absolutely fallen to the uh concept of untimely desks that that severely impacted bands yeah um so yeah yeah that'll be fun so why morbid we, but fun yeah right <laughs> uh so why don't we start with untimely death uh block right now and we can start with a song that has kicked off so many of parties that we've thrown yes it has Fuck around with my dog All that I can see I steal 
The ships roll in And then I watch them roll away again Yeah I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away Ooh, Sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time I left my home Frisco Bay I've had 
Do it. I hope we pass the audition. Yeah, that got cut off. Sorry, that's like oh, the did? biggest part of uh, of Get Back. That was uh, that was uh, kind of the joke. That's why I wanted to have that be the last song and the first thing is uh, John Lennon. Like, so like, oh, uh, thanks everybody, and I hope we pass the audition. I didn't turn the song off. It, it, it oh, it faded. It faded. Oh well. Itself. Yeah. Well, I I, th- I filled it in for it. Yeah. Um, so so that was a Beatles with Get Back, um, which is I mean that's their swan song. And even with this, with the Beatles, it's it's kind of hard. I mean, I think it's it's known that Let It Be was their their final album. And they had the famous rooftop con- rooftop concert and all that stuff, and and the uh, the movie. But chronologically, Let It Be was recorded before Abbey Road. Was it as as weird as that sounds? Uh, Let It Be was recorded in I believe in early '69. The vast majority of it was it produced and, by the same person? Uh, I think George Martin produced. Uh, actually, that's not true. Phil Spector produced uh, Let It Be. That could be why, if it's in two different producers' hands. Well, it, I mean, if you've seen scenes. if you've seen the movie Let It Be, or I believe there's actually uh, this. I think this Christmas, maybe even earlier, uh, Peter Jackson is doing a uh, multi-hour documentary on the Beatles' Let It Be recording. That looks awesome. I can't wait to see it. What's it on? Uh, I don't know what it's on yet. Probably, I'm not sure. But oh, uh, that's cool. But what's you know, Let It Be? I think it's notorious. Like they just they they played their hours and hours and hours and days and days, and there was all infighting and all sorts of shit that went down in the studio. And I think everybody just got so fed up. I think two or two Beatles quit during the recording of it, um, and <laughs> and you know, but they came back for not much longer, and uh, they ended up just like shelving it. They were like, "This is crazy!" Like they had all this recorded footage, uh, video footage, and they were gonna make. I, I believe at the time they were gonna call it Get Back. And uh, it wasn't meant to be their last album. Mm. And uh, they sort of just threw it on the shelf and they came in with a whole fresh set of ideas and, and recorded Abbey Road later in 69. And it came out in 69. Mm-hmm. Uh, they finally got back to Let It Be, which was called Get Back at the time, and uh, pulled it all together and released it in 1970 as their final album. And because they decided that they were no longer going to continue as a band instead of calling it Get Back, they called it Let It Be. Oh. Um, so, you know, the fact it right? all makes sense. The <laughs> facts can be switched around a little bit, but I mean, that's, that's my best understanding of, from, uh, studying this for a very long period of time and hearing some recent interviews with Paul McCartney as well. So yeah, that's insane, man. That's yeah. So Beatles, let it be. Um, there's an awesome Paul McCartney, Rick Rubin documentary that's on, uh, right now on Hulu, which just dropped. It's a uh, six 30 minute, uh, episodes with basically rick rubin and paul mccartney at a master control board uh moving up and down levels and talking about different shit in beatles songs and it's amazing it's, it's so yeah. amazing and it's not just that's like a deep dive man and that's yeah, a real that's, deep dive. well and what's cool about it is i think paul is very focused on the collaboration like he picks more than a few george harrison songs and john lennon songs mm-hmm. and plays them and you know, sometimes it can be viewed as sort of self-serving, like, oh, look at this awesome bass line that I had in this. Or I was playing the, the guitar yeah. solo in this song. <laughs> That's awesome. um, but it's not really. Like, it's showing the whole collaborative thing. And they, had, they, had, they, were, they showed footage of Eric Clapton in the studio doing the guitar solo for a while my guitar gently, gently weeps in 68. Like, I knew he Holy did it, shit. but I didn't know they had video footage of yeah. it. And I, I saw some footage of, like, recording the white album in 68 mm. which i hadn't seen any of that before so it would be interesting if some of that stuff comes to light yeah it, they're filming i don't know if it's a documentary or something like that uh but i've seen um advertisements for it coming out like i think ne- next year or something like that 
and supposedly have a shitload of video footage of the Beatles doing stuff. I think that's the Peter Jackson one we were talking about earlier. I think that he's, he's doing, a, Peter Jackson's doing a movie based on all this footage that nobody's yeah, seen before. Yeah, that. Is so I'm, I'm so, yeah, it's a good time to be a Beatles fan, but then again, it's always a good time to be a Beatles fan, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, so we also heard Otis Redding sitting on the Dock of the Otis Bay. Otis Redding, another, you know, cut short too soon. I'm sitting on Dock of mm-hmm. the Bay was his biggest hit. Obviously, he had, you know, a few other hits at the time. But uh, that was his big hit, and uh, he recorded it, and he died before it was released. That's yeah, that's crazy. which is nuts. Like you, you remember, like you know, the, the famous like Monterey Pop Festival performance that he did, and the song wasn't around then. Like, yeah. it's it's weird because you hear his name a lot, right? Yeah, like he's done so much, and but we were too young to remember that he died so young he did and it was funny that you say that he does they did so much he produced a lot of stuff like i was going through a bunch of 45s that a buddy of mine gave me to help him sort of sort through and and, you know sell and there was uh you know a couple soul out soul 45s i saw that were produced by otis Redding. Mm -hmm. so you know he wasn't just a singer like he wrote stuff he produced like he was he was talented guy yeah damn shame yeah you know you don't think of i mean when i think of uh untimely death like a lot of it's like the 27 club Right. But, I mean, this guy was like 20. Uh, Otis Redding? I don't know how old he was. I, 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 but he, shit, he, he may was, have, He was he, really young. Yeah, I don't think he was 20, but he was really He may young. have been 27. I, we're going to have to check. Oh, uh, yeah. During, during the next music break. Yeah. All right. And uh, we start off with Sublime. Uh, that song, that's my favorite Sublime song. And Astro was uh, brought up earlier that it's, it's funny how that's really the first we heard of Sublime. Right. that album. And it's their swan song. Yeah. And, and it's their last album. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, because I mean, they had two albums before. Forty Ounces of Freedom is, you know, yeah. obviously an awesome classic, but yeah. nobody really, at least on the East Coast, they, I, I'm sure yeah. they probably knew about it a little bit more on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. But you know, we were in college in the mid '90s, and we didn't, I didn't hear anything about Sublime until I the did. Sublime album dropped. I did. Uh, Doug Bard is well. Uh, yeah, he had a cassette tape of Sublime. It was like Robin the Hood plus two joints and a couple other things. Wow. Right? It was a cassette tape, and he would he let us all borrow it. He was like, double recorder. We have to double record this thing. <laughs> so we all had this bootleg of Sublime, this up-and-coming band. So, we, yeah, Doug Bard broke it to Bentley. <laughs> nice. And we were, we were hooked. So when they started coming out with shit, like, we knew 40 Ounces of Freedom when it came out. Because we were like, look, they made it. They made it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're longtime Sublime fans. And, yep, Swan Song. That, yeah. that one. Couldn't, man, and, and you wonder, like, would they have continued on in that trajectory of just making these awesome albums just filled with crazy hooks and just awesome tunes mm-hmm. or would they start to fizzle out? Yeah. You, you'll never find out really, I guess. I mean, it can go either way with junkies, right? Yeah. And he, he went downhill fast and he, what I heard was they sucked live because they just couldn't get their shit together. Yeah. I've the videos I've seen. And of course there's no pro shot video of sublime, at least none that I've seen. Uh, um, but you know, you know the, the, the audience recordings, whatever, I mean, they're never that good quality anyway, but I mean, it's a three piece band. They were kind of sloppy. I think their bass yeah, player was on junk that. too. I mean, it's yeah. not necessarily like, you know, just because the, the guitarist and singers, the guy who died doesn't mean he was the only one who had problems. Right. No, I agree. Um, but man, what a fucking album they put out with, yeah. with their, with their self-titled album. Yep. Just a shame that, you know, we could have picked like eight songs off of that. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Well, maybe we have a sublime night. We'll just play that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Uh, why don't we jump back into this next break?
Wow, I'm glad that was not on air because people couldn't hear me singing <laughs> to the microphone, pretending to be David Byrne. You looked like him too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that was nothing but flowers by the venerable Talking Heads. That was very like, uh, un- I want to say reggae-ish almost. Oh man, that I oh god, nothing tough. but flowers. The, the the peppiest, happiest post-apocalyptic tale ever. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, the the song is literally about how shit fell apart for from one reason or another, and nature took back over. I heard chocolate chip cookies. Yep. in there. <laughs> Used to dream of candy bars, chocolate chip cookies. Now it's nuts and berries. That's all they got left. That's so great song. Uh, I love the Talking Heads. They are one of my favorite bands, and uh, yeah, man, all four of them are still alive. Like it's it's a it's a damn shame that uh, that that they can't get back together for a mm-hmm. tour. But you know, they left us a great body of material, and that was a true swan song. 1989's Naked. Um, probably as a big Talking Heads fan, I can say it's probably my least favorite of their albums. But nothing but flowers is one of my favorite songs there. So that's a juxtaposition, you know. Yeah. So David Byrne is his career has gone in like a uh, roller coaster, and where he is now, that that show that he puts out where there's like no wires. Mm-hmm. And, oh my American god! American Utopia. There's back, yeah. going back on Broadway. Is it in the fall? Yeah. He, I mean, he's so creative. You know, yeah. he's such a, a great artist. Well, it's funny. My wife, uh, she's we saw that show uh, twice. We saw it our, ourselves and then we brought our kids to see mm-hmm. it. Cause it was just amazing. I heard it was. Yeah. And um, it's funny because she said to me uh, and it was a very astute observation that this is the show that he wanted to do back in 1984 when they did the Stop Making Sense show. Yeah. You know how they came on and you've seen the movie, they come on like it's just him with an acoustic guitar and a boombox mm-hmm. to start off. And then like another player comes on and another one comes on and then the full four band is on and they start bringing on all these extra musicians mm-hmm. and like they just build it up to the big thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just, you kind of, when you see American Utopia and you, you see what he's doing wirelessly with, you know, instead of having a drummer, he's got six drummers that right. each have a drum or two. Right walking around and it's 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 amazing mm-hmm. and uh it's it's you know he, he he blended really nicely a lot of the older talking head songs with some of his best uh solo material and stuff from the new album and just put a fantastic show like mm-hmm. i'll never forget it was one of the most amazing things i've seen uh, actually from this naked album this talking head swan song uh uh blind is a song it's one of the probably best three songs on there and uh, he did it during American Utopia, and uh, the way they set it up is basically just uh, one like like a really bright spotlight right in the very front uh, of the stage, and then the performers were behind it, and it was throwing up huge the way the angles were it was throwing up huge shadows behind them uh, that everybody could see, and it's just just the way the song went and and how awesome they used the light and dark during the song. It was mm. just amazing, and and the second time I saw it, it was still just as great you know <laughs> yeah yeah that's awesome so that was cool so that was talking heads uh, unfortunately the swan song uh, you know would they make another good album if they put another one together who knows i don't well, think we'll course. ever we don't think we'll ever find out yeah. but oh another another thing about david byrne he wrote a oh, he's written a lot of books but um book uh, he wrote a book called how music works how music works did you read that i read that it's very good and it, it it talks about um things from how he would write a song and I think I talked about this on another show where um, he would write the music and then he didn't he would do the lyrics last and he didn't know what the lyrics were going to be about or anything. So he would 
he would sing nonsense and in, to get the melody right. And then once he knew what the melody was, he would formulate words into sentences and, and do that. Just like hearing him talk about you know, his approach to how he writes music, that's one side of the book. And the other side is how the music industry has like failed and where it is now and, how, what you, and the differences between when he was growing up, how the music industry fucked people, and nowadays how the, it's just a friggin' craziness. Yeah, and the other part of the book that I really love too is he talked a lot about like, uh, you know, centuries ago and how live music was created and the different the different types of halls that would host different types of music mm-hmm. and you know just the whole the, the audio you know the the sensory uh part of music listening and mm-hmm. uh yep. it's just a great book i can't can't recommend it highly enough yeah uh before that we heard isolation by joy depression <laughs> joy division uh yeah so that's a band that ended abruptly, to say the least. Uh, they had two albums, I think 79 and 80. Uh, great albums, both of them. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, their their singer was, uh, you know, he was a depressed guy and unfortunately took his own life. I think he was 20 or 21 at the time. I didn't even know that when I said joy depression. Yeah. So Foot in mouth. It's a shame. And he had an infant at the time, too. It's just sad. But, uh, you know. This is a band. I mean, it was their swan song was their second album, and uh, mm-hmm. you know they broke in big in '79, and uh, their second album was just as strong as the first, and it just they couldn't do it. And then the rest of the band, the other three members, uh, regrouped and and formed New Order. And That's good. They've been going on forever. Yeah, I don't like New Order personally, I like, but I like New Order. <laughs> I don't like New Order. Uh, it's just it's it's so much different. It uh, is. Yeah, it's just heavier. It's harder. No, it's dancey. What are you talking about? New Order. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, it's it's dance music. That's oh. that's why I don't like it. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong thing. You might be, um, but New Order, uh, yeah, yeah. What what's their what are their hits? New Order. Yeah. Uh, the does it feel? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah okay, that, yeah. No. They, uh, no, that's a kind of a cool song. Ah, whatever. It, yeah, um, all right. Anyways. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've tried. I've tried to like them. It's just. It's just it's a bridge too far for me, unfortunately. That's exactly how I feel about Joy Depression. <laughs> yeah, I I, I I thought you'd like that, man. They, no, P- mean, Peter Hook's a driving bass, although then again, yeah. it's the same bass player in uh, New Order. Yeah, stuff. no, I kept seeing these <laughs> T-shirts with Joy Division, and, and I was like, who is that? And I, they sound familiar, and I, so I did like a little research. And I'm like, I gotta I gotta like jump in because a lot of like musicians are wearing the shirt. I'm like, all right, they must be cool. I listened to both albums, and I was like, "Where's the net? Where are the rest of the albums? This is like for their old shitty stuff, right?" And that's it. Yeah. Those those two albums. It's uh, you're you're too yeah. much of a positive guy. Their stuff's yeah, too dark for probably. you. Probably, yeah. <laughs> and then we started that off with uh, "White Stripes." Yeah, with Icky Thump, the title track from their final album, which nobody knew at the time that it was their final album. I'm not sure mm-hmm. they did either. Uh, who knows? Uh, you know, you can tell with Icky Thump, and I think the album before uh, "Get Behind Me, Satan," I believe, was the one before it. Um, that they were exploring more than just guitar and, and drums. Yeah, like Jack was doing different stuff, but it was still yeah. just him. He had, he had proven that he uh, had the ability to. Right. You exactly. Know. He he had proven that it was necessary to give him full control because he's a fucking genius. Well, I mean, he had full control the whole time. I think his the his point in the White Stripes was all I need is a, a drummer who plays a rudimentary drum. Yeah. You know, a drum line and. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, watch me do everything else exactly and he does yeah. he does well the thing that's funny with the white stripes is and you don't necessarily realize it but 
a lot, a high percentage of material that they put out were cover songs. Now, mostly fairly obscure or obscurer songs. Hmm. Um, but a lot of their stuff was cover songs. Um, when I say a lot, I'm not talking like 60% or anything, hmm. maybe like 16, but that's a pretty fair amount for a, you know, for a successful group, at least these days. I mean, back in the 60s, it was all cover songs until mm-hmm. the Beatles and Stones and the Kings started writing their own stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was the White Stripes, and uh, Icky Thump was their, uh, was their swan song. Uh, Jack obviously has continued to go on to do different things, with, like the Rat Contours and his solo career. And uh, uh, what's the other group? I told you the name earlier. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, it's a female singer. Uh uh, we'll figure it later. Yeah, not Rock on Tours. But you just said that, right? Yeah, not yeah. the Rock on Tours. Uh, uh, we'll get it during yeah, the we'll, next we'll songs. Uh, do you want to jump into CCR? Let's do it.
See all y'all city lights. I'm gonna do everything silver and gold, and I got to hurry up before I grow too old. Okay, that's a take.
Happy Sunday night. Welcome to the Pimper's Paradise. Holy shit, what a great song that is. That's a good one, right? Yes, it's a great, great Sunday night. Yeah. I first heard that song. I heard the Black Crows cover of that, which is amazing. Really? It's very true to the original. Um, but that was the first time I heard it and I knew I, I, I saw that it was a Bob Marley song and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I gotta I gotta hear that and didn't even know that it's on Uprising, his last well, I guess Confrontation is technically the last album that was but that was posthumous. I don't really I Yeah, don't, we can't we can't count that. Yeah, that doesn't count. Absolutely. Um so yeah, that Pimper's Paradise. Uh you know, there were there were definitely more known songs. Um mm-hmm. and even like I, I you know, I wanted to try to and, and you I know we talked about us too, you know picking the last song on the album um and we did that with that joe strummer song silver and gold which is a it's a cover uh it's a, like a traditional cover but i just it just if it, it it's such a great way to end that that album which ended up being his final album um but yeah it's just it's one of those things where you know pimper's paradise great song um it was in the middle of the record but it was the one that jumped out at me and i was like this is the song i gotta play like i don't know how a lot of people know this song but it's such a great fun tune yeah they, they don't put that on any of the greatest hits and it's fun but it's not really funny I and mean, the subject matters uh it's a little it's a little dark for bob but i think a yeah. lot of he a lot of his songs are a little bit darker than people really think about it's just the the lyrics the, the singing is relatively bright the music is very bright mm-hmm. and the lyrics aren't necessarily as bright as right. you think they would be, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, before that, Joe Strummer. That was Joe Strummer. And, yeah, this this is a tough so different, one. So different than Clash. Well, that's, and we were talking about while I was playing because uh, he's undeniably, you hear the singing and you know it's Joe Strummer. Yeah. If you know the Clash, you know that's Joe Strummer. But it's a, you know, it's it's an aged Joe Strummer. It's a uh, cooled off Joe Strummer a little Weathered. bit. Weathered weathered <laughs> and you hear it in the voice and you also yeah. hear it in the delivery i guess and uh this yeah this was a great one and he actually the obvious choice would have been redemption song he actually did a cover of redemption song um which also by the way was the, the last, last song, song on uprising yes um and I, I i didn't pick that purposefully um mm-hmm. because i don't know i just people know it. it's a little it's overdone and i honestly could have that, that's the obvious choice for both of those albums to yeah. be honest yeah um so it just went in a different direction the silver and gold's the last song on the joe strummer album it was the last song on the last album that was released during his lifetime and uh it, you know just it's always tough talking about joe because uh, the mescaleras were i mean it was such a great like a different band than the clash and you know he he sort of meandered about in the woods for a while after the clash ended doing different like scoring films and acting and not really putting a band back together, or at least nobody that really had any, you know, sustenance that stuck around for any period of time. But the Muscleros, they were, they, you know, they had that, that whole world rhythm feel mm-hmm. and uh, definitely very much more varied in the types of music uh, than Joe did with The Clash, and <laughs> which is sort of a ridiculous statement because if anybody ever heard Sandinista or, uh, or uh, uh, London Kong, you'd say The Clash are pretty damn varied. Yeah, um, but yeah. you know what I'm saying in terms of uh, you know the world music, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just a great album. And uh, you know, with Joe's untimely passing uh, right before the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction was uh, was quite a blow to Clash fans because mm-hmm. they were gonna play. Yeah. Oh, really? They were gonna play. Uh, they all were in, and it was mm-hmm. gonna be awesome. Yeah, that sucks. 
Uh, wait, before we start talking about Creedence Clearwater Revival, I know everyone's sitting right next to their phone being like, tell me what the number is. I'm about to call, but you're not telling me the number. So since you are, hit hand on your phone. 617-829-9283 is the A-Brews listener line. Uh, if you want to text us, 617-764-9283. Um, we are presented by the West Dover Inn in 1846 Tavern. Um, and you can find us on Facebook, Wave Radio Boston Rocks. Um, there's lots of cool stuff on that page. Uh, it tells you when all the shows are, what the shows are about, and some other fun stuff. And, uh, yeah, I think um, that's all the data you need right now. That's the data you need? Uh, while you were saying that, I was like, I want to give them the, uh, the website. And then I'm like, what's the point of that? Because... If they're listening right now, <laughs> right. they already have the website figured exactly. out. So that's kind of a moot point. Right. Tell them to push the red button if they can't hear yeah. us. <laughs> uh, and back to the first song that we had there, CCR, Someday Never Comes. Uh, you know, John Fogarty, and we were talking about this. John Fogarty is, I think, probably ridiculous to say underrated. But mm. the guy, I mean, he wrote so many freaking classics in like a four-year span. Yeah, he was CCR. He was CCR. And... Uh, you know the whole the whole situation with a lawsuit that everything and he couldn't play his own songs and like you know even this last album that CCR made um, that something never comes came from this you know his band was you know fighting again similarly to what you see in other bands where the writer gets all the, so much more money out of royalties when their bands sell albums and that breeds animosity. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they, the, the guys in the band were fighting and they're like, let us write songs. So Creedence's last record was basically a, a four way split and the four guys in the band each wrote a few songs and the album sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like it's <laughs> terrible, but there's two, you know, hits, hits from Fogarty on mm-hmm. there, you know, someday never comes and sweet hitchhiker, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, a great, you know, more upbeat song, but I've always loved someday never comes. I thought that's. A good one to put here more of a swan song kind of feel to it yeah definitely uh, yeah ccr john fogarty just kept going afterwards mm-hmm. did, did they join any other bands well they they started a they kind of not i mean when they were still i shouldn't say when they're still together like uh john's brother tom actually played with jerry garcia sometimes like uh mm-hmm. and and merle saunders so they did some stuff together but not really. I mean, they ended up coming back together doing Credence Clearwater Revisited as all part of the lawsuit. Like, they brought oh, in, like, wow. another singer, and, like, it was real cheesy. Yeah. And, uh, and Fogarty eventually, decades later, got back his publishing rights or at least the ability to play the songs at concert. I remember he had that Blue Moon Swamp, I think, was the name of the album that came out in the 90s. Mm. And it had some... Uh, Centerfield. No, no, no. It was after that. That was in the oh. 80s. I had like a, that song that hit "Walking in a Hurricane." I think was the name of the song. It was mm-hmm. actually kind of a, a decent hit in the mm-hmm. '90s, and uh, that was around the time he regained the ability to go play all those songs again. Oh, nice! And I remember he went to tour and you know toured on a new album that actually did fairly well and played all the old Creedence songs. Yeah. <laughs> I saw him in tour that that uh, that time, and nice. it was awesome. It was yeah. like seeing a Creedence concert, right? Uh, which obviously we wouldn't have the opportunity to do because they broke up by like seventy seventy one, I think. Mm. How many albums have they come out with? I think like five or six wow. in like a four-year period. Uh, hmm. He just hammered out so many classic albums too. Yeah. Like yeah. the stuff in the in the late seventy. I mean, the late sixties. 
I mean, you know, Cosmos Factory, Green River, Bio Country. I mean, these killer albums. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This, uh, we're going to jump into another one. This next one is uh, probably my favorite John Lennon song. you 
reached your destination. Welcome to Harmonic Headspace. Music for your psyche. Let's do this! All right, that was Faces with Ooh La La. That is, uh, I think, the consummate uh, um, swan song. And the reason Why is I, that? the reason I say that is uh, faces were they were originally the small faces. Um, Steve Marriott they had a Ichiku Park was their big hit in the '60s, and Steve Marriott left the band um, and started Humble Pie with Peter Frampton. Mm-hmm. Um, and they went on they had a few hits too. And <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, and small faces became the faces, and they replaced Steve Marriott. They were a four piece band. They replaced them with. Uh, Rod Stewart and Ronnie Wood, who were coming off of duty with the Jeff Beck group. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the Faces, they put out maybe three, four albums, and uh, Ooh La La was their last one. And the reason that I'm calling this the Consummate Swan Song song is it's the last song on the album. It's the title track. Um, it was written by Ronnie Wood. Um, they, it was the last song they recorded. And it was the last song they recorded because they were waiting for Rod to show up to sing the vocals. Rod Stewart and uh, the main reason or one of the main reasons this band broke up was because Rod Stewart was starting to do some solo stuff and he was actually getting hits that they never got with the faces so when you would go see a faces concert towards the end of their career the hits you'd be hearing were Rod Stewart songs so like Maggie May not a faces song faces played it Uh, you wear it well not a faces song um, every picture tells a story, although written by uh, Rod, uh, Ronnie Wood, and Rod Stewart, not a face of song. So there was there was tension there, and you know, a lot of drugs and alcohol, and you know, uh, music company folks wanting to pull you know mm-hmm. Rod out and have him be a, sto- a solo star. Yep. And that you know, I think he maintained a, his early solo career alongside the faces for a couple of years before it finally just ended. And Ooh La La was the last album the faces made. And, uh, the song Ooh La La was the last song to be completed because they were waiting and trying to get Rod to come in and sing it. And he, they never did. So Ronnie Wood, who wrote the song, just sang it himself. And that's the version that everybody knows is the one that Ronnie Wood sings. I always hope so that this, who was singing that that was Ronnie Wood. He's got a great voice. He, you know, his funny. He's amazing. He, he sounds like a. I always viewed him as a mixture between uh, uh, Rod Stewart and uh, uh, Keith Richards, I, uh-huh. which is funny because those are the guys he played with probably the most in his career. Yeah. Um, he has such a powerful, like weathered, emotional voice. Yeah. You know exactly. It's like uh, it's not like finely tuned, but it's just powerful and it's emotional. You know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And their bass player, uh, Ronnie Lane, actually sang songs too. And he had a very similar type of that emotional, um, weathered, uh, weary voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were a cool band like that. And they had you know guys who could sing, and they had Rod Stewart, obviously. And uh, you know they were really they were the temple for the Black Crows. I mean, the Black Crows when they first came out, people were like, oh, they're Rolling Stones ripoffs. But people who really knew music are like, no, they're their faces ripoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can definitely hear the um, the southern southern rock yeah. guitar in there. Yeah, so that that was Faces, uh, that was Ooh La La, uh, Ronnie Wood. I always wish that the Stones would play that live. I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, Ronnie wrote it. He's in the Stones. He's been the Stones since the mid seventies. 
So let the guy sing a song, man. Let Ronnie yeah. sing. Like yeah. I would love to see them play that in concert. That would be so awesome. With him singing it. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, shit, I'd like to just see anybody play that in concert. <laughs> right. I love that song. Yeah, it's a good tune. Um, but before that, we had a Janis Joplin move over. Yeah. That was, uh, I think, the lead-off song off Pearl, which was her final album. It ended up being... And biggest re- album. And biggest. It ended up being released posthumously because she died before it was released. Mm-hmm. It was fully recorded and it was done maybe a song was missing vocals if i remember correctly from you know reading up on it but um i love that song and there was a couple of songs that me and bobby mcgee was on that album which was yep. obviously probably one of her biggest if not her biggest hit peace of my heart's also on that album uh no i think no i, I, no, I think that was from big brother and holding company from back in the day really maybe maybe i'm wrong i don't know you're probably right Nah, I could be wrong. I'm not a huge Janice fan, yeah. um, but I know I know that she wrote this song, um, and the mm-hmm. other song she really didn't. Um, yeah. Mercedes Benz was on this album, which is a cool uh, tune. That's a cool tune, and she wrote that. But she did, yeah, yeah, nice. It it seemed like you know it was like a minute and a half long. Was, I I just like the song better. So it's got that that romp and feel to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, Janice, another you know 27 Club. Yep, yeah. It's a shame, man. She was uh, she was something else. Um, and then prior to that, we had John Lennon watching the wheels. Uh, another tragic, I, you know, when you're putting together this uh, th- this playlist and you don't realize, like, when you're putting it together, like, when you start listening to the songs during the show, it's like, man, these are all sad. Like, yeah. you know, John Lennon, that's such a hopeful song. It's such a great, joyous song where he's like, hey, man, you know, I'm I'm no longer on the wheel. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sitting back and, like, I'm raising my kid and I'm happy and I'm just doing what I like doing and I'm not worried about it and things are good. Mm-hmm. And then he gets fucking killed. Yeah. Ten days later, after the album comes out, if that really it may even be less, it may have been like that weekend. That's insane. Um, sort of like Bowie. I mean, Bowie died two days after his album's last album came out. But but he was on his deathbed for months. Yeah. <laughs> Difference. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't shot in the face at right. age forty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that Len song, like it's you know he 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 had a few albums that were pretty mediocre. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's an anthem to get out of my face. You know, like, I'm not going to live my life the way you want me to live it. Yeah. Well, and the thing about it, like, what sucks about it and what's so hard is, like, Double Fantasy was such, half of it was such a great album. And it was the return, honestly. Like, the songs that are on that album are strong. Some of John Lennon's strongest solo songs. And, uh, even like the, the posthumous release of Milk and Honey, which was like the other songs that were recorded during these sessions, uh, similarly sequenced where they had all, uh, every other song was a John song, a Yoko song, a John song, a Yoko song. Mm-hmm. That's why when I yeah. said half of the album, right? you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, yeah. the same with Milk and Honey. Like there's some good, really good songs on Milk and Honey. I've always wished that somebody would just sort of like shuffle the deck and just like fold in the Lennon songs from Milk and Honey and uh, Double Fantasy. You just have one final john lennon album that yeah. doesn't have all the yoko ono songs yeah but you know that's that's not what they wanted yeah uh, but just a shame man like he it seemed like he was just finding his groove again and yeah just, you know it's ripped away was imagine on that album no before that yeah that was on that was like 72 70 71 uh, actually that was 71 no 1971 imagine came out before i was born oh yeah damn i feel like I, I, that's just crazy to me I mean, maybe it came out in se- oh, I think it came out in seventy one. I know it was recorded in seventy one, um, but it either came out in seventy one or seventy two, certainly before mm-hmm. you were born. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was John Lennon uh, watching the wheels. My favorite John Lennon solo song as well. 
Yeah, this is a good one. Uh, do you want to jump into some Johnny Cash? I do. Thank you. 
Chinas all sound so titty up this Malchek say Party up moods, Nanti Vela set round on Tuesday Real bad dizzy snatch making all the homies mad Thursday Hope I'll blind to the poly in the hole by Friday
That was David Bowie with Girl Loves Me from his swan song, 2016's Black Star. Um, I really wanted to play Black Star, but it's 10 minutes long, and people would have just not known what to do because <laughs> it's a crazy song. Um, and I also considered playing the last song on the album. I can't give everything away, but I just couldn't do it. I just I can't I wouldn't be able to talk about it afterwards. Yeah. Without just breaking down in the yeah. studio. <laughs> yeah, he what you said he that came out on a Friday and he died that Sunday. He yeah, the, the album came out on a Friday in January in twenty sixteen and he died on Sunday and we all found out about it on Monday. Yeah. So, so that, listening to that that song like, Where the Fuck Did Monday Go, it sure felt that way at the end of the oh, day. Oh yeah. So let me ask you this. Are you familiar with how much of uh how actively he was involved in um, recording his last album. Was he, did he just sing it or how much did he do? He did it all as he normally does. I mean, he didn't, he didn't play the instruments cause yeah. he, he doesn't like he has his people in there, but they had in, you know, he, he brought in a different band than he ever played with before. It was this, this jazz band that uh, he was, he was exposed to at some point in the lead up to the recording of the album and it's the first time that anybody on that album played with him. And uh, I remember like hearing the album um, on that Friday when it came out and like, like thinking about like, you know, he stopped touring after 20, 2004 and he was like gone for probably close to a decade, if not yeah. close to a decade. And then he came back unexpectedly uh, with an album two years before Black Star came out. Uh, called uh, The Next Day. And he, you know, he had all of his old players come in to record that album. And he uh, he had them sign NDAs. Like, like he didn't want anybody knowing what was going on. Oh, wow. So uh, that album was recorded in complete secrecy. Was he sick at that time? He was not. Okay. And, uh, well, he, uh, he stopped touring in 2004. He actually had a heart attack on stage. Uh, during one of the big shows in Europe, that the you know towards the very end, and he he still kept playing like mm -hmm. like he could, he was done that night, but the you know he kept and they finished out the tour, and that was all he would do for he said I'm not touring anymore, this is it, and he stopped making music, and like we were like okay I guess he's done like he's he's retired like he hasn't made an album since 2003, he says he's no longer touring, it's 2012 we haven't seen anything from Bowie we're assuming he's just you know, enjoying retired life in New York right, city with, yeah. his, with his supermodel wife and, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and all his money. And then he, and then this came, then, uh, next day came out and it was a huge, just like, holy shit, there's new Bowie. Yeah. Right. And they're like, he's not going to tour. Like he wouldn't even do, uh, appearances. Like he wouldn't perform at all, like on Saturday night live or like any of the late night shows. Like he wasn't doing any of it. And the closest you had to it was the video he made for the title track it was actually him on stage performing the the song uh, dressed as a priest. It's, it's, it was crazy. Um, but when Black Star came out, it was a, a different situation. Like it was uh, a whole new band that he never played before playing a very different sounding. Like the album is very distinctive sounding. And you could hear a little bit in, in that song, Girl Loves Me, but a lot more of there's a lot more distinctive uh bass drum uh, more of a it's, i can't really describe it it's almost techno sounding sort of um but definitely a, a different sound and I, I i heard the album and i'm like shit like i know he won't tour but maybe there's a chance that he could do some kind of like some kind of show or something yeah. 
with this band playing the Black Star songs and like reinterpretations of the older catalog mm. with that band in that style. And I was, you know, hoping against hope, knowing that he wasn't really going to do any of that. Mm-hmm. And then finding out like literally two days later that he just died. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, no shit, he's definitely not doing it. And the other <laughs> right. thing to keep in mind is he he released um, uh, his uh, play, his musical at the mm-hmm. time uh, that came out right around the same time as the album. He was actually really sick, and he showed up at uh, I think the first the opening night and took a bow and everything. And, and you know the press was like, yeah, you know he's, he's getting older. He doesn't he look kind of frail. Yeah, and you know, he's dead in you know a couple months yeah. if that. Yeah, but. Yeah, man, some somber shit when we're doing swan songs. <laughs> yeah, this is a sad one. Yeah, it'll be sad when we do the uh, the untimely death one, but we do it for you. We do it for you. <laughs> we I put myself through the shit on a Sunday night for you. Uh, before that, we had uh, another tragic uh, loss to Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one that didn't didn't hit as close to home personally, though. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this was – the perfect swan song it's the last song on his last album mm-hmm. was voodoo child yeah like how fucking the, crazy is the that guitarist of the guitarist songs that yeah. he has it's chopping it down to the edge of his hand yeah <laughs> and this one is voodoo child's slight return which i i've come to the understanding that it means he did another version that was slower before that and uh, this is uh, a, a peppy a peppier version of it so they call it slight return that's it this is voodoo child uh, and before that was Johnny Cash, which is interesting uh, being a swan song because as most people probably know, the last decade or so of his career was basically recording songs with Rick Rubin and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and basically just reporting, uh, recording other songs and covers. And he mm. did some of his own songs too. Uh, I almost picked from this last album, The Man Comes Around, his own song that he redid uh, for this album. But I was like, let's do something a little different. Hurt was on there. Hurt's the obvious choice. Yeah, that's the best I, song on the album. But I didn't want. I mean, everyone's I, heard yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, let's go for in a similar vein. Yeah. Uh, Depeche Mode's "Personal Jesus." You know, with Johnny Cash singing a lot of songs about God, a lot of songs about murder, a lot of songs about love throughout all of his career. Uh, this one seemed to fit in really well. I can't tell you that I believe that he actually liked that song. I think he <laughs> liked it more than Hurt. He, really? he, he didn't like the context. He didn't like the content of her. Okay, that's understandable. But he sang it because Rick Rubin's a genius, and he basically said, "Johnny, come on, this is this song will be perfect." Yeah, I I can't imagine him liking either of them. You know, I don't know. I I I don't know. I I don't know what was going through Johnny Cash's head at the time. No, uh, you know, at, he's you just know. so far from Depeche Mode. But it's I don't know. I think it's the context of the song, and like, you know, was he? He's, I guess, he was always a God-fearing man. You know, how does he take the lyrics of that song? Because mm. I don't think it was meant to necessarily be pro-religion. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, now that I think of it, maybe, maybe they didn't even play it for him. They were just like, "Hey, here are the lyrics. Here are the lyrics. <laughs> here are the chords. Go for we it." We could probably find out. I mean, they had they had a, a a documentary on the recording of all these yeah. of no, all the stuff. No, I mean, he, he would have had to heard it because he sang it kind of the same way. That yeah, probably. But, but yeah, I'd like to see that. Yeah, that's good. It's but. just hearing him play this, I was just like, he, it was so far from what the real song is. Well, you're hearing. I it. couldn't. I couldn't like take it seriously. You're listening to it, and like I keep waiting here. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah, like, no, it's not I happening. I just couldn't take it seriously. I don't know. 
So that was Johnny Cash. He uh, led a very long life. Nothing really tragic about that. I'm glad he had a <laughs> he had a, a a resurgence at the end, and 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 rightly so. It would have been tragic if he didn't have that resurgence because for someone as legendary as Johnny Cash to just mm-hmm. fade away in the mid '80s and yeah. just meander for decades before yeah. dying that would have sucked now he stamped himself he stamped on himself the, on the way out and it was a good, he did it was and it, it was a good thing for mm-hmm. for his for his legacy and and just for the legacy of music yeah absolutely you know? yeah so uh let's jump into this next one another great legacy of music
All right, that was Soundgarden, Crooked Steps. That was a signature Soundgarden song. Signature Soundgarden from yeah. 2012's King Animal, their true swan song. Yeah, and before that was Tom Petty, American Dream, Plan B. But let's talk about the police first. Let's. I, can t- I could listen to any police album, right? Like we were just talking about, we, you and I just rattle off like every police album. We're like, hey, was that on? Well, there's yeah, only yeah. five, so. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay, but, but still, like you, and you think about that album, uh, Synchronicity, which was their biggest oh, one it's, ever. I think it right? sold ten, literally over 10 million copies. Yeah, every Breath You Take was like the biggest song in the galaxy for like that whole year. Yeah. So, I mean. Wrapped Around Your Finger was on that. Yeah. yeah. Synchronicity 2 was mm-hmm. on there. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, what's the? Oh man, I keep getting these brain. Uh, King of Pain. King of Pain. That's it. I was like, yeah. That's so I w- the one I wanted to play tonight though was Murder by Numbers. That's, that's a, a great. That, one. That's the last song on the album, and it's it's yeah. got that like old. That's a it sounds old. I love that song. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I love Synchronicity too. I'm I'm not gonna put up much of a fight about playing that. Mm-hmm. But a King of Pain, and uh, not King of Pain. <laughs> the whole album's great. Yeah. But Murder by Numbers is. Yeah. You know, uh, you know that's probably one of the least known on the album, um, but that's actually good. Not like that shit, like Mother, and uh, Miss Kredenko is pretty good too, though. But yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, great, great band all the way through. I I saw Sting um, solo like years after the Police broke up, and he played a lot of Police songs, and he came out with combat boots and like camo pants and this tank top and he was jacked and he just stood out there and belted it out like lead bass and man just watching him was was amazing i had a chance to see sting once he was opening for the grateful dead at giant stadium in 93 Mm -hmm. and i chose to hang out in the parking lot instead Mm -hmm. of going to see sting which i don't necessarily regret you're talking about a grateful dead lot at giant stadium aged what was i 18 at the time yeah so I probably made the right call. Yeah. Um, what I do regret. Balloon stand. Yeah. What I what I do regret though is missing the actual police reunion tour that yeah. they did in 2006 and 2007. Yeah. That's on me. I should have figured out a way to get there. Um, they came around a couple of times. Um, I think one time I didn't want to go because it was like at a stadium, like at Gillette or something. I hate I hate stadium shows unless you're right in front. The music just swirls off into the atmosphere before it even reaches you um but the the one time i I could have potentially seen them but i couldn't have potentially seen them was during the birth of my first daughter so Uh, clearly uh priorities were set properly but that doesn't mean that i don't regret not seeing the police right um and if you've ever seen uh the the blu-ray or if you haven't i would highly recommend checking it out it's called certifiable and it was uh, a concert recording of that tour I shit you not. They played for three hours. Mm-hmm. Deep cuts, all the shit you'd want to see, only the three of them. Really? No backup singers, no uh, keyboard, like no no side shit. It was the three dudes up there ripping it for three hours. There's a, there's a video of that? Yeah. Nice. That's I, I, I recommend you try to find yeah, it. Yeah, I will. But I actually, I love that. We have a whole bunch of uh, live concerts on cd on, on uh like video yeah we do too a ton of dvds the yeah. only dvds i still own yeah so a are. lot of times when we come up and hang in the bar 
we'll we'll put that down and, and if we're not listening to Alexa, sometimes we'll just be like, Hey, let's let's watch Bob Marley. Mm-hmm. And I'll put on he's got this this awesome concert, Bob Marley, and it's like it looks really good and it sounds amazing and it's recorded great and that's yeah that's there's a lot of really great recordings of of marley video Mm -hmm. and audio stuff like they keep releasing these these uh live albums that sound really good so you know it's pro pro recorded they knew what they were doing yeah absolutely uh all right so tom petty american dream plan b i don't know that i knew that you probably didn't and uh you know tom petty didn't really have hits much beyond Shit, probably Wildflowers, honestly. If we're, if we're talking about actual hits, 94 was probably it. But all his albums were great, and mm-hmm. uh, all the way up to the end. And this was the first song off his last album. And it was, you know, this was like a bluesier album. Uh, what was it called? A, a Hypnotic Eye. Um, so the, the last two in Mojo, they're both fairly uh, bluesy albums, but still, you know, tinge of psychedelic. It's Tom mm-hmm. Petty, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is just a, a good rocking tune. And. You know, you have to, if you're talking about swan songs, you have to represent Tom Petty, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have a, a funny story uh, about Tom Petty and his wife and Stevie Nicks. So I read this in Stevie Nicks' book, which is a great book. I can't remember the name of it, but um, it's, a, it's a biography. No, no. It's, uh, what do you call it when someone else writes it about you? Uh, it's a biography. It's a biography, not, yeah, not, yeah, a not an auto, just a biography, okay. yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, and it just goes through her whole life, like with Fleetwood Mac, um, and how she was friends with Tom Petty and all that stuff, and so, you know the song, Edge of Seventeen? Yeah. Do you know how that came to be? I didn't. So, his wife, Tom Petty's wife, had such a southern drawl that when she was talking to Stevie Nicks, that she was, uh, he was actually, she was actually talking about somebody and saying at the age of 17, but her draw was like at the age of 17, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so Stevie <laughs> Nicks wrote a song about that. And that's probably her best solo out song too. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's I, haven't, a huge I, hit. Yeah. I haven't heard that. I, I hear a lot of uh, weird shit when yeah. it comes to like trivial music knowledge. Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard that before. I like that one. That's a good one. Yeah. If you, I don't know if you listen to audiobooks at all. And that's how, that's how I read, um, David Byrne's book and, and this one too. But, um, there's a now, lot of good and ones. The David Byrne one, like, was he yeah. actually narrating it? Yes, he was. Yeah. See, that's, that's the one thing about audiobooks that I probably should start yeah. doing more. All right. Then I highly recommend the beastie boys book. You've, you've recommended that before. Yes. Cause the guys do it themselves, right? They, they do it. But also like Snoop Dogg comes in and he does a chapter. So, so the voices are really entertaining. So what's killing me right now is we just made the decision we're going to axe our last segment of three songs. Yeah. And the first one up was a Beastie Boys song, and it's yes. only like two minutes long, and it's instrumental. Ah, I don't yeah. know. Maybe we'll have a Beastie Boys night. Maybe we will. Uh, um, yeah, so, yeah, that's uh, that's great. So that was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers with their, uh, their, their final stand there, uh, mm-hmm. Hypnotic Eye. Um, and then we had Soundgarden uh, by Crooked Steps. And this one is from uh, King Animal from 2012, I believe. And uh, they Soundgarden broke up. They were gone for the better part of, you know, f- what, 15 years pretty much. Mm-hmm. And uh, Audio Slave was out in between there. And then they came back, the four guys, and, uh, you know, they put out King Animal. And to be honest, I didn't have high hopes for it. Like, who gets back after, you know, 12 or plus years and puts out anything really worthwhile? Yeah. But to be perfectly honest, I listened to the shit out of that album when it came out, mm-hmm. partially in preparation for seeing them in concert because I hadn't seen them before, and I like to walk into a concert ready to go. Right. Like I don't mean like I'm not reading the set list and knowing what they're playing. That's the surprise I want to have. Mm-hmm. When I say ready to go, I'm like, all right. You need to know the song. I'm right? feeling like you know they could play 
uh, any of these 60 songs that I know fairly well at this mm-hmm. point. And that's, yeah. that's, that's the joy of concerts is going in there and being pretty damn familiar with a good chunk of the catalog, mm-hmm. but not knowing exactly what they're going to play. Yeah. Um, so that's what I did with King Animal. And it really grew on me. Like, it's a solid album. Like, is it super unknown? No. Is it Bad, bad Motor Finger? No. But I liked it better than Down on the Upside. And I know you love that album of theirs. I do. Yeah. But I think there was a reason they sort of fell apart after that album. And I think it, you, could, you can feel the strain on that album. And I just think King Animals, a, it's, it's a better album from my perspective. Yeah. Well, I think they, coming off of Super Unknown, it's it's hard to top that. Yeah, and I don't know if they were trying to top it. I don't think they could. Well, um, you, but you, your next your goal is to make another successful album. Of course, right. And, but and I mean, they're right. not. Are they going to put another Black Hole Sun out? No. But they did. I mean, what was this? They had a couple pretty big songs off. They of had. That. The, that's the, my point. They had um, down on the upside. Uh, blow up the outside world. Blow up the outside world was kind of a big one. Um, yeah, they had one other like a more a ballady song. Like you want to say the the, the the day the world went away, but that's uh, not day it. I tried to live. day I tried to live. That's right. Was, that wasn't on uh, Super Unknown. It may have been. I, I don't it, know. I think it was on Super Unknown. No, there. You're right though. There were two um, bigger. Oh, Pretty News. No, that was on Super Unknown. <laughs> was it? Super Unknown is so fucking good. Oh my god. Yeah. So you're right. There were two songs on that. Uh, but that that's a huge step down from Super Unknown. I mean, we just threw out a couple songs out there that were like, oh no, no, that was on Super Unknown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh yeah so you know that that was uh I, I i really like that Soundgarden album i think it's underrated i think a lot of people probably don't know it and this wasn't even a single by crooked steps wasn't a single but uh i remember when i saw him in concert and just hearing the song like it's a great song it's like it's a prototypical Soundgarden song like you hear it and you know it's a Soundgarden song even without chris singing yeah pretty news uh pretty nose pretty news burden in my hand and blow up the outside world where the the biggest hit oh pretty noose was on uh yeah oh look yeah. at me being um, incorrect and whatnot zero chance is actually my favorite on that and you're right it's it's slow it's it's not traditional sound garden um but it's just it's awesome love it yeah and then we had uh no shit we talked about them all <laughs> yeah there it is there you have it so let's do a bonus here. Let's let's see if we can do this. Let's let's bonus. Uh, we don't need to talk about it, but uh, we'll talk about it briefly. The Beastie Boys, multinational, multilateral nuclear disarmaments. It is a two-minute funk tune, instrumental, and uh, we were going to play that along with a Zeppelin tune and a Steely Dan song, but we don't have time for that. But I am going to make a request if we can be agile and slide in this Beastie Boys jam yep. right before uh, and go right into our uh, our outro music. Uh, I think that would be a reasonable solution for today. What do you think, Prosty? Say it's done. (laughs) Wait, let me try that again. What does the genie say? As you wish. As you wish.
Ask yourself, where does that hide? 